Good evening. Open your Bibles to the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 40. If you read ahead and you came anyway, praise the Lord. If you didn't read ahead, maybe this is a teachable moment. But uh, I'm sure you're aware from Todd's introduction last week, chapters 40 through 48 really surround the temple vision that's given to Ezekiel. They're meticulous details, but they're inspired details. Um, they're worthy of our time, but they may not require excessive explanation, so I do plan on running at a, at a rapid pace. I said again, Todd preached verses 1 through 4 of chapter 40 last week, and there what I think he did was he armed us with Scripture that helps us better understand the placement of the temple in the eschatological timeline there. Uh, you know, opinions are varied. Some have merit, some don't. And Todd kind of walked us through some of the main interpretive challenges to many of the major views and uh, kind of left us with, you know, some Scriptures and, you know, a sword to kind of defend our own position. This portion of Scripture will not be as difficult to interpret as last week's and the, the overall gist of this uh, vision. And I do plan on covering three chapters tonight. And I feel like I'm in good company. A commentator by the name of Charles Feinberg says this, quote, There's little in these verses that need elaborate explanation. End quote. Now, to be fair, he was talking about a section of verses, but when you look at his commentary... He just did, there wasn't a lot of meat there. You know, it, it says what it means, and it means what it says. So, just to kind of give us a little bit of, of background, you know, it says in verse 1, in the 25th year of our exile, you know, remember now, Ezekiel is in exile in Babylon. The city has been struck down. The temple's been destroyed. The city's been leveled and burned. They're exiles in Babylon. And we see right off the bat that this vision came to him at the beginning of the year, on the tenth day of the month. According to Exodus 12, on the first month of the year, on the tenth day of the month, that was the first day of Passover. So many commentators kind of make this connection. Many commentators will point to this vision coming on the first day of Passover, which they likely were not able to um, celebrate in Babylon. But what would, what would be in the mind of a Jew, especially one like Ezekiel, what would be in the mind of a Jew on Passover? How the people of Israel were in Egypt for 400 years, slaves in a foreign land. God never forsook them. God never cast them away. He never broke His covenant. And in this perfect time, the Lord brought them out. He brought them out. He delivered them by His hand, in His hand alone. So why should they doubt His ability to display His strength once again? Why should they doubt His ability to showcase His chesed, His covenant loyalty with His people Israel? So I think there probably is some significance in that date there. And so we move on. We see in verse 2, the visions of God that He brought me to the land of Israel. So God envisioned, envisions brought Ezekiel to the land of Israel. 
Verse 3 says, When he brought me there, behold, there was a man with a measuring rod in his hand. And in verse 4, the man said to me, Son of man, Ezekiel, look with your eyes, hear with your ears, and set your heart upon all that I shall show you. For you were brought here in order that I might show it to you, declare all that you see to the house of Israel. And then Ezekiel is going to begin to unfold this vision of the temple. And I hope you'll see as we move through it, you know, some of this stuff, it, you know, didn't, really wouldn't do us a lot of good to kind of just stay parked in it too, too long. I think we can get the, the nuts and bolts or the backbone of what's being said quickly. So beginning in verse 5, even your, your heading may have a, something that says the east gate to the outer court. And I, that, so here we go. We do have a screen behind me. Way to go, Wendy. East gate to the outer court. Verse 5. And behold, there was a wall all around the outside of the temple area. And the length of the measuring rod in the man's hand was six cubits, each being a cubit and a handbreadth in length. If you look down, your ESV has a footnote there, and it says a cubit was 18 inches. A handbreadth was three inches. So a cubit and a handbreadth in length would be 21 inches. 18 plus, 20, 18 plus 3 is 21. So that's what they call a long cubit. It's 21 inches. So this rod, this reed, that's six long cubits is 126 inches, basically it's 10 feet. So you're going to hear me refer to 10 feet pretty often throughout this. So verse 5, So this man with the measuring rod in his hand, he measured the thickness of the wall, and it was one reed. It was 10 feet thick. And the height was one reed. It was 10 feet high. He measured the, if we were to skip ahead, just want to kind of paint a picture here on the size and scope of this temple. Chapter 42, we'll even get there today, believe it or not. Chapter 42, verse 16, he measured the east side with the measuring reed, 500 cubits by the measuring reed. And so he measures the wall in chapter 42 all the way around this, and it's 500 cubits long by long, by long. It's that square. So this temple complex will cover about 17 and a half acres. About 17 and a half acres inside that square we see on the screen behind us. Verse 6. Then he, the, that's the man with the measuring rod in his hand, went into the gateway facing east, going up its steps, and measured the threshold of the gate, one rod deep. And the side rooms, one reed long and one reed broad. And the space between the side rooms, five cubits. And the threshold of the gate by the vestibule. And if you may not use that language a lot, you know, in Alabama, a vestibule is kind of similar to what we would call a foyer or maybe a lobby at times. You know, that's, that would be a vestibule. Not exact, but that would be kind of give you a mental picture of what that would be. So... And the threshold of the gate by the vestibule of the gate and the inner end, one reed. Then he measured the vestibule of the gateway on the inside, one reed. Then he measured the vestibule of the gateway, eight cubits. It's jams, two cubits. And the vestibule of the gate was at the inner end. And there were three side rooms on either side of the east gate. The three, were in the, the three were the same size. And the jams on either side 
were of the same size. Then he measured the width of the opening of the gateway, 10 cubits, and the length of the gateway, 13 cubits. There was a barrier before the side rooms, one cubit on either side, and the side rooms were six cubits on either side. Then he measured the gate from the ceiling of the one, of the one side room to the ceiling of the other, a breadth of 25 cubits. The opening faced each other. He measured also the vestibule, 60 cubits, and around the vestibule, the gateway of the court. From the front of the gate, at the entrance of the front of the inner vestibule of the gate was 50 cubits, and the gateway had windows all around, narrow, narrowing inwards toward the side rooms and toward their jams. And likewise, the vestibule had windows all around inside, and on the jams were palm trees. As you can see, there's just, this is just flush with details, flush with details. Now we're going to describe the outer court. We just discussed the, the eastern outer gateway there. We're going to discuss the outer court real quick here in verse 17. Then he brought me into the outer court, and behold, there were chambers and a pavement and all around the court. Thirty chambers faced the pavement, and the pavement ran along the side of the gates, corresponding to the length of the gates. This was the lower pavement. Then he measured the distance from the inner front of the lower gate to the outer front of the inner court, a hundred cubits on the east side and on the north side. So the outer court that we're seeing here was 180 feet from the outer gate to the inner gate. So from the, outer, the eastern outer gate to the eastern inner gate, that's going to be about 180 feet. So if you do this all the way around, Warren Wiersbe did the math. He said this outer court covers 400,000 square feet. That's about 10 acres. That's going to be about seven football fields. So this outer court is, is, is pretty, pretty sizable. Pretty sizable. Now we're fixing to discuss in verse 20 the northern gate to the outer court. The northern outer gateway is what we're looking at here. As for the gate that faced toward the north, belonging to the outer court, he measured its length and its breadth. Its side rooms, three are on either side, and its jams and its vestibule were the same size as those of the first gate. Its length was 50 cubits, its breadth 25 cubits, and its windows, its festivals, and its palm trees were the same size as those of the gate that faced toward the east. And by seven steps the people would go up and find its vestibule before them. And opposite the gate on the north as on the east, there was a gate to the inner court, and he measured from the gate to gate a hundred cubits, exactly like it was from the eastern gate to the eastern inner gate, the same from the northern outer gate to the northern inner gate is going to be a hundred cubits. Now we're going to see the south gate's going to be explained, the south gate there, the south outer gate as it says, he led me toward the south. This is the, the man with the measuring reed in his hand, and behold, there was a gate on the south, and he measured its jams and its festivals. They had the same size as the others. Both it and its vestibule had windows all around, like the windows of the others. Its length was 50 cubits and its breadth 25 cubits. There were seven steps leading up to it, and its vestibule was before them. 
and it had palm trees on its jams, one on either side. And there was a gate on the south of the inner court, and he measured from the gate to gate toward the south a hundred cubits. You see this again. It's from the southern outer gate to the southern inner gate, again, 180 feet there, or 210 if you use the long cubit. So, now we're going to see the south gate to the inner court, the southern inner gateway. That's what we're going to see detailed here in verse 28. Then he brought me to the inner court through the south gate, and he measured the south gate. It was the same as the others. Its side rooms, its jams, and its vestibules were the same size as the others, and both it and its vestibule had windows all around. Its length was 50 cubits, its breadth 25 cubits, and there were vestibules all around, 25 cubits long and 5 cubits broad. Its vestibules faced the outer court, and palm trees were on its jams, and the stairway had eight steps. Remember earlier, as we walk into those outer gateways, there were seven steps. You go up seven steps to get into the outer court, and here there's eight steps to get up into the inner court. So this thing is kind of ch changing elevation as we move in. And now we're going to describe the east gate to the inner court, the eastern inner gateway as we have here. Verse 32, Then he brought me to the inner court on the east side, and he measured the gate. It was of the same size as the others. Its side rooms, its jams, and its festival were the same size as the others. And both it and its festival had windows all around. Its length was 50 cubits, its breadth 25 cubits. Its festival faced the outer court. It had palm trees on its jams on either side. And its stairway had eight steps. Again, the eight steps that were stepping up into the inner court. Now we're moving to the northern gate of the inner court. The northern inner gateway, verse 35. Then he brought me to the north gate, and he measured it. It had the same size as the others. Its side rooms, its jams, its festival were of, were of the same size as the others. It had windows all around. Twenty. Its length was 50 cubits. Its breadth was 25 cubits. Its festival faced the outer court. And it had palm trees on its jams on either side. And its stairway had eight steps. So one thing we notice there is that all six of the gates... The inner and the outer gates all are, are pretty much identical in size and shape. There's just seven steps going up into the outer, into the, uh, outer court, and there's going to be eight steps going up into the inner court. And in verse 38, while we're discussing the northern inner gateway, we're going to notice that it has some priestly functions in verse 38. There was a chamber with this door in the vestibule, the gate, where the burnt offering was to be washed. And in the vestibule of the gate, there were two tablets on either side on which the burnt offering and the sin offering and the guilt offering were to be slaughtered. And, on the one, and, and off to the side, on the outside, as one goes up to the entrance of the north gate, were two tables. And off to the other side of the vestibule of the gate were two tables. Four tables were on either side of the gate, eight tables, on which to slaughter. And there were four tables of hewn stone for the burnt offering, a cubit and a half long, a cubit and a half broad, and one cubit high. 
on which the instruments were to be laid with which the burnt offering and the sacrifices were slaughtered. And hooks, or your ESV may have a footnote there, that could be shelves. And shelves, a handbreadth three inches wide there, were fastened all around on which, on, and on the tables the flesh of the offering was to be laid. So this is where they would do all the sacrificial preparation work in this vision. Then we're going to move to verse 44. This is going to be really the chambers of the priest, or it says here, the chambers of the singers slash priests. Verse 44, on the outside of the inner gateway, there were two chambers in the inner court. One at the side of the north gate facing south. The other at the side of the south gate facing north. And he said to me, this chamber that faces south is for the priests who have charge of the temple. And the chamber that faces north is for the priests who have charge of the altar. These are the sons of Zadok, who alone among the sons of Levi may come near to the Lord to minister to him. And he measured the court, a hundred cubits long and a hundred cubits broad, a square. And the altar was in front of the temple. Now it mentions this guy here, the, the sons of Zadok. Zadok was one of the few priests that remained loyal to David during the insurrection of Absalom. Remember when Absalom had that insurrection, all David's chief counselors, Ahithophel, and all those guys kind of turned on David? Zadok was one that remained faithful and loyal to David. So he seems to be, I guess you could use the word, rewarded for his faithfulness here as he alone and the sons of him alone may come near to the Lord to minister to him. Now we're going to see the vestibule of the temple. The vestibule of the temple. As they climb up again into the temple proper, we're going to see in verse 48, Then he brought me to the vestibule or the foyer lobby of the temple and measured its jams of the vestibule, five cubits on either side. The breadth of the gate was 14 cubits, the side walls of the gate were three cubits on either side. The length of the vestibule was 20 cubits. The breadth, 12 cubits. The people would go up by 10 steps. And there were pillars beside the jams, one on either side. So seven steps to get into the outer court, eight steps to get into the inner court, and here 10 steps to get into the inner temple. Again, changing the elevation as we kind of go along, if you're getting a picture of this. All right cruise through chapter 40. Let's look at 41. Now we're going to discuss the inner temple. The inner temple. Feinberg here says the dimensions for the inner sanctuary were the exact same as those for Solomon's temple. So if you want to go back and look in Kings, I think where that, those um, dimensions are laid out, you'll see this exact footprint there. But verse 1, we read, this is going to be the holy place. Then he brought me to the nave and measured the jams. And each side had six cubits and its breadth of jams. And the breadth of the entrance was ten cubits. And the sidewalls of the entrance were five cubits on either side. He measured the length of the nave, forty cubits, and its breadth, twenty cubits. I'm sure we're all getting the exact same picture in our mind right now. <laughs> Just in case y'all don't know what a nave is, I think a nave is kind of like... Um, when you would go into these churches, they had that section that was usually tall and long and deep for what they would call the laity, you know, just the common people, so to speak. That would be a nave. 
the way we would use that word today. All right, but we've noticed as we're going through this, six times, I know you've been counting, six times up to this point, we've read this phrase, then he brought me. Then he brought me. So you see this, this angel with the measuring rod in his hand is bringing along um, Ezekiel. But as he enters this most holy place, the Holy of Holies is, is called here, Ezekiel doesn't really seem to go along with him. It could just be left out, but Feinberg makes a point that it's, it's intentional that he doesn't go with him because only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. And that was just the way they... That would have been the familiar how familiar they were with those things. Verse 3, you see what he says. Then he went into the inner room. It didn't say he brought me, like he has been saying. He, the angel with the measuring rod in his hand, went into the inner room, measured the jams of the entrance, two cubits, and the entrance, six cubits, and the side walls on either side of the entrance, seven cubits. And he measured the length of the room, 20 cubits. Its breadth, 20 cubits, across the nave. And he said to me, this is the most holy place. So now we're going to see the side chambers. I think they're going to be right on the side of that, that temple right there. It's going to say in verse 5, that he measured the wall of the temple six cubits thick. The breadth of the side chambers, four cubits, all around the temple. And the side chambers were in three stories. So that just shows you how high this temple is. This temple, when they finally get to this holy place or the actual temple sanctuary itself, it is tall. Three stories are on the outside. Of these chambers are in three stories, one over the other. Thirty in each story. They were offset all around the wall of the temple to serve as supports for the side chambers so that they should not be supported by the wall of the temple. It became broader as it went upward to the side chambers because the temple was enclosed upward all around the temple. Thus the temple had a broad area upward, and so one went up from the lowest story to the top story through the middle story. I saw also that the temple had a raised platform all around. The foundation of the side chambers measured a full reed, measured a full reed of six long cubits. The thickness of the outer wall of the side chamber was five cubits. The free space between the side chambers of the temple and the ten other chambers was a breadth of twenty cubits all around the temple on every side. And the doors of the side, of the side chambers opened on the free space, one door toward the north and another door toward the south. And the breadth of the free space was five cubits all around. These side chambers, we really don't know the function of these side chambers. Many think this is where they would keep temple treasures. You know, where I think it's Nebuchadnezzar come in and robbed the temple of its treasures in the Daniel 1. So that may have been what these things will be used for or would have been used for. Verse 12, we're going to see the building at the western end, as you have here. It's kind of back behind the temple. Verse 12, The building that was facing the separate yard on the west side was 70 cubits broad, and the wall of the building was 5 cubits thick all around, and its length 90 cubits. Again, quite sizable. We're going to move then into verse 13. Then he measured the temple, 100 cubits long, 
and the yard of the building with its walls a hundred cubits long. Also the breadth of the east front of the temple and the yard a hundred cubits. Then he measured the length of the building facing the yard that was at the back of its galleries on either side a hundred cubits. The inside of the nave and the vestibules of the court, the thresholds and the narrow windows and the galleries all around the three of them, opposite of the threshold, were paneled with wood all around from the floor up to the windows. Now the windows were covered. To the space above the door, even to the inner room, and on the outside, and all the walls around them, inside and outside, was a measured pattern. And it was carved of cherubim and palm trees, and palm tree between cherub and cherub. Every cherub had two faces, a human face toward a palm tree on, the, on one side, and a face of a young lion toward a palm tree on the other side. They were carved on the whole temple all around. From the floor to above the door, cherubim and palm trees were carved similar to the wall of the nave. The doorposts of the nave were squared. And in front of the holy place was something resembling an altar of wood. Three cubits high, two cubits long, two cubits broad. Its corners, its base, its walls of wood. He said to me, this is the table that is before the Lord. The nave in the holy place had each a double door. And the double doors had two leaves apiece. Two swinging leaves for each door. And on the doors of the nave were carved cherubim and palm trees, such as were carved on the walls. And there was a canopy of wood in front of the vestibule outside. And there were narrow windows and palm trees on either side. And on the side wall of the vestibule, the side chambers of the temple, and the canopies. Again, moved right on through 41. Put that to memory. Verse 42. We're going to see now that the temple chambers... The temple chambers. So in verse 1 of chapter 42, He led me to the outer court towards the north. He brought me to the chamber that were opposite the separate yard and opposite the building on the north. The length of the building whose door faced north was a hundred cubits and the breadth fifty cubits, facing twenty cubits that belonged to the inner court and facing the pavement that belonged to the outer court was gallery against gallery in three stories. And before the chambers was a passage inward, ten cubits wide and a hundred cubits long, and the doors were on the north. Now the upper chambers were narrower, for the galleries took more away from them than from the lower and middle chambers of the building. For they were in three stories. They had no pillars like the pillars of the courts. Thus the upper chambers were set back against the ground more than the lower and the middle ones. There was a wall outside parallel to the chamber toward the outer court, opposite the chambers, 50 cubits long. For the chambers on the outside, for the chambers on the outer court were 50 cubits long, while those outer, the nave, were 100 cubits long. Verse 9, below these chambers was an entrance on the east side as one enters from the outer court. Verse 10, and the thickness of the wall of the court on the south side also, opposite the yard and opposite the building, there were chambers with a passage in front of them. They were similar to the chambers on the north of the same length and breadth and with the same exit and arrangements and doors as were the entrances of the chambers on the south 
there was an entrance at the beginning of the passage, the passage before the corresponding wall on the east as one enters them. And then we're going to see in verse 13, you really see the, the, what I'm calling the purpose of these priestly chambers. These priestly chambers you see right here on the outside of that temple complex. Verse 13 tells us what the purpose of these are for. Then he said to me, The north chambers and the south chambers opposite the yard are the holy chambers where the priest who approached the Lord shall eat the most holy offerings. There shall they... There they shall put the most holy things, the grain offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, the fat, for the, the place is holy. Ah, the grain offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, for the place is holy. When the priests enter the holy place, they shall not go out into the outer court without laying their garments in which they minister, for these are holy. They shall put on other garments before they go near that before they go near to that which is for the people. So you see, they would use these things kind of, as I guess you'd call it, dressing rooms, and this is where they would eat some of the uh, offerings, the fat offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, things along those lines. Verse 15, we're going to see the, the measuring of the temple area at, at large. I kind of alluded to this earlier. Verse 15 says this, Now when he had finished measuring the interior of the temple area, he led me out by the east gate, or by the gate that faced east. And he measured the temple area all around. He measured the east side of the measuring, he measured the east side with a measuring reed, 500 cubits by the measuring reed all around. He measured the north side, 500 cubits by the measuring reed all around. He measured the south side, 500 cubits by the measuring reed all around. Then he turned to the west side and measured it, 500 cubits by measuring by the measuring reed. He measured the four sides. It had a wall around it, 500 cubits long, 500 cubits broad, to make a separation between holy and the common. So that's where I said you have this 500 by 500 by 500. It ends up being roughly about an 18-acre site they have there. And just, just for a frame of reference, I think the Dome of the Rock that sits over on this area today takes up about 35 acres. So this would take roughly half of what is there at its, at its current state. But as you can see, 40 through 42, I pray, that, um, I pray that I didn't just make light of it as I read through it this as fast as I did and kind of, I just thought if we got bogged down into it too much, you know, we would lose our uh, heart for Ezekiel and I didn't want to do that. Uh, but there's detail here. As you can tell, the Lord is, has much detail here. He has much design here. That is an attribute of God, by the way. You know, God doesn't work in generalities like, like we do often. Um, God knows every small detail of everything that moves and ever has been created and ever, will ever be created, and He knows the purpose of them. So God is a God of detail. Even in creation, He knows the, the detail that's in creation we see it here as well. The detail in the design, the detail in the purpose, the, the, the intentionality of it. As Blake has mentioned a time over there in Sunday school, the, what he calls simplexity. You know, how the simple things that we look at, how just complex they are. You know, this, that's just our God, the, the Creator, um, who knows uh, details just far beyond our imagination. So I pray, I pray that even these simple things in creation... 
There's an enormous amount of complexity. The details here that we read today may escape our understanding, but I pray that um, I, don't, I didn't present them as insignificant because they're not insignificant. You know, God wouldn't, God's not writing this to fill space. Every word that he is God-breathed, it's inspired, it's, it's, it's good for us to, to know, it's good for us to go through. I just pray I didn't make light of it. Uh, I pray I, I kept your interest in this book as we finish strong here in Ezekiel and uh, move on into the next book. Uh, God's Word is good. And uh, even the genealogies and even the blueprint for the temple, as we could say. If you would, please stand.